So as we have come a long way in the series on compromise, so today I'm going to conclude the series with a final teaching on doctrinal compromise. So today the message is on doctrinal compromise. You know, not many would like to hear the word doctrine. Not many churches today are willing to teach on doctrine. You know, sometimes even I feel that the word itself carries some kind of bitterness in it. When we say the word doctrine, you know, I feel that it has something, something, it has something in it. In it. One day, and I remember I was just, you know, sharing something with my son. And, uh, oh, you're talking about the doctrine? That's bad, right? You're not supposed to tell them about doctrine. That, that's bad. You know, that's so true that we all carry, you know, that kind of impression about the word doctrine. You know, many today believe that doctrinal teachings are kind of a little old-fashioned. Sound doctrine is missing today in the body of Christ. Sound doctrine is missing in the body of Christ. Apostle Paul, you know, he was prophesying 2,000 years ago as he was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Shall we just turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4? I would like to read from verse 1. A couple of scriptures there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1, there you see Apostle Paul, he was prophesying to young Timothy and he was telling him, you know, such and such things are going to happen at the end of the age. And we read from 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. And he says, verse 5, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You know, Apostle Paul, he was telling him to young Timothy as he was encouraging him, this is what will happen in your time when you are about to preach, or even in the coming days, at the end of the age, this is what will happen, but you need to be watchful. You need to be watchful in all these things. You need to end your afflictions and you do the work of evangelist and fulfill your ministry. And I believe, you know, today exactly that's the mandate of the church of God, the body of Christ on this earth. You know, I cannot conclude this series without preaching on doctrinal compromise. So today we are going to talk about what is doctrine. Why doctrine is so important. What is doctrinal compromise? And I want to conclude with some of the dangers Bible talks about doctrinal compromise. And also some of the instructions and the warnings the word of God is giving us today. First of all, let's start with what is doctrine. 
You know, in general, doctrine is a belief or a set of beliefs held and taught by a church. You know, the word doctrine comes from the Greek word didaskalos or didaskaleia, which means teaching, which means simply teaching. So the doctrine, the word simply means teaching. So it is used many times in the New Testament. For example, when Paul writes in Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he says there, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. You know, the exact Greek term which is used there is from Strong's G1319, didaskalia, which means Teaching. So Paul is writing, take heed to yourself and to the teaching, continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The word of God is giving us teachings, doctrines. You know, doctrine is extremely important in Christianity because through doctrine, we come to know who our God is. Through doctrine, we know who God is and what He is. What is Trinity? What is meant by the deity of Jesus Christ? His resurrection, salvation, judgment, and eternal life. Everything is known to us through these teachings or the doctrines in the Word of God. Doctrine is what defines who we are today and what we believe. You know, we, in fact, we cannot be saved without doctrine. We cannot be saved without even the teachings which are seen in the word of God. For example, you know, it is a doctrinal statement to say that we are sinners. Because what of God says in Romans 3.23. It is also doctrinally true that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. In fact, the doctrine of salvation teaches us that Jesus bore our sins on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24. So that we, can, we will be justified by faith. Romans 5.1 And we escape the righteous wrath of God. John 3.36 You know, all the scriptures are found in the word of God. As we dig into the word of God, we come out, we find the teachings God is giving to the body of Christ today. And these doctrines, these teachings are none other than they are required. They are the essential elements today to live godly, to build our Christian life in the Lord. So doctrine is a set of biblical teachings that defines Christianity. Doctrine is a set of biblical teachings that basically forms the foundation of the New Testament church. Doctrine, it is important. It is very essential to build a good relationship with our Lord today. In a good doctrine, is like a strong anchor that prevents us from drifting, you know, because of the false teaching that we see today in this world. So, doctrine, so we are trying to understand what doctrine is. So doctrine is something which is essential, which is written in the word of God, which are the teachings that we get as we read and meditate the word of God. Doctrine is very essential for us to build our Christian life solid on the solid rock. Secondly, why doctrine is so important? You know, doctrine is so important because of two reasons. Doctrine defines what we believe. 
Doctrine exactly says what we believe. And doctrine also gives us identity, who we are. You know, today when Samantha was sharing her testimony, she was saying that you know, many times when we are in the workplace, we fail our identity. We forget our identity. You know, most of the time we don't know who we are because we are not defined by these doctrines. If our lives are not defined by this word of God, we forget who we are because we don't have any identity. We don't know who we are and word of God tells us who we are. Word of God clearly says that we are children of God. We are the chosen vessels of God. Word of God says we are king, kings and priests. You know, word of God, the teachings of God, the doctrines give us the identity. The nature of doctrines are the teachings of truths open up the opportunities for churches to define their own sets of doctrines. You know, today, by doing so, churches differ with each other in their belief system. You know, we are going to talk something about you know, why we have different doctrines today around us. So each church, they believe a set of doctrines and they are going to differ. You know, that's the reason each church or each denomination, they have come out with their own faith statement because these are the set of doctrines or teachings they believe. You know, so what we today see in this world, churches believing mix and matches of these combinations of these doctrines. You know, we come across churches today whose doctrines are contrary, totally contrary to the word of God. And, you know, basically we need to get away from them. We can't go with them. And there are churches who don't teach all the doctrines, you know, because they may not have revelation in those areas. You know, or they may, you know, by doing that, they may hinder somebody's spiritual life. They may not be able to grow further because we don't see, we don't hear that kind of teachings in that church. There are churches around, they are very so strong in their basic doctrines, but they may teach some of the doctrines incorrectly, wrongly. And always, God's word is the foundation. God's word is the true foundation. And we need to identify, you know, those doctrines. And we need to understand in the light of the word of God. And if we are not clear what the Bible is teaching about, we may continue to have fellowship with them, but we may not be able to grow. We may continue to have fellowship with them, but we may, we may be corrupted because they are not right teachings. So it is very essential for children of God today to know and understand what is the right teaching the word of God is teaching about today. So doctrine defines our identity. Doctrine defines who we are. So we need to approach, you know, this this particular topic biblically you know otherwise we will be in a throne out of the bible so we need to approach this word of this topic today biblically and we need to understand with an open heart you know sometimes we may have some preconceived ideas about doctrine so today for a moment we just keep them aside and continue to listen to the word of god i'm sure god is speaking to us you know many times we have a question within us or even some of our non-Christian friends question us, saying, asking us, why do you have so many denominations in Christianity? They say, you have one Bible, you have one God, but you have hundreds of denominations. You know, many times we don't have an answer to that question. 
But we need to give an answer. That's what the word of God says. When someone questions about our faith, when someone questions about, you know, what we believe, why this is going on, why this is happening, you know, word of God encourages to give an answer to this. So I was just thinking about it and it came out with three different reasons why we have different denominations and why we have different teachings. Number one, the reason for the birth of different denominations is the related weightage people give to different teachings of the Bible. The reason for the birth of different denominations is the related weightage people give to different teachings of the Bible. You know, sometimes there is absolutely no importance is given to some of the teachings. Or sometimes there is huge importance, enormously huge importance is given to some of the teachings. Or even sometimes there are partial importance given to some of the doctrines by these denominations. So they vary. There is absolutely you know, no concern about the existence of denominations. You know, sometimes we feel that we feel so guilty of having so many denominations. I don't think we need to feel guilty about it. I don't think we need to you know, worry about why we have so many denominations, it is something wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. There is nothing wrong. You know, with the finite knowledge we have, we are trying to understand an infinite God. With a little knowledge we can gain from few pages of this Bible. You know, with the finite knowledge we have, we are trying to understand an infinite God with the little knowledge we have with these few pages of this Bible. The revelation we get today, people get weary because, you know, there are relative stress what we give. It depends on the kind of revelation that we give, we understand as we read the word of God. The result is different denominations. Number two reason, due to the difficulties involved in interpreting, interpreting scriptures, the same teaching is interpreted in many different, way, different ways and taught in many different ways in churches. The result is the birth of different denominations. Number three, human experiences are taught in the churches as doctrines. Human experiences are taught in the churches as doctrines. For example, you know, the way God would have revealed himself to a specific individual, maybe at the point of time of his salvation. Probably he would have seen a vision at the time of salvation. You know, eventually they end up in preaching. If we don't see that particular vision, you are not saved. You know, they drift away from the word of God and they start preaching, say that unless you see this vision, unless you receive a touch from heaven, you are not saved. But whereas word of God doesn't teach that, they end up in believing the human experiences. For example, another example I can give. They may depend on the greater demands of God on somebody's life. You know, God may demand certain things in someone's life. For example, God wants somebody to remove all their ornaments if they want to follow Jesus Christ. God, does, God probably, they, he wants her or him to wear only white dress always. You know, these are something specific for that particular individual that God expects him or her to do. But then you know what, eventually they will be taught as doctrines and teachings and say that everyone, those who come to this church, you need to remove, you cannot wear ornaments, you cannot wear colored dresses. You know, these kind of teachings will get into the churches and eventually they will result in uh, as a separate denomination or, doc, uh, or doctrines. 
You know, sometimes some of the supernatural blessings that God gives, it will become part of the doc doctrine. For example, you know, God may bless somebody. Someone has given $100 as an offering. The next day God has blessed him maybe $10,000. You know, it is an individual experience. It is an instant that God has dealt with him. But then, you know, eventually they start preaching about it. And they say that, no, today you need to bring $100 and give $100 an offering. And God will multiply it in many folds. It may be true. God may be blessing you. But you know what? You cannot make that as a part of a doctrine and start teaching that in churches today. When we try to do that, you know, when we institutionalize the individual experiences in the churches, you know, eventually... We will drift away from the word of God. Instead of learning from the word of God and the teachings from the word of God, we will move away. They are good experiences which is in the word of God. They are Sometimes it is good to believe them and ask God and claim God. God, you have done that in the word of God. And I claim the word of God and let it be true in my life. Lord, I want to prosper. It is good to do that. It is good to claim those things. But when we try to teach, you know, when we try to put on that, those things, those load upon the people, it will become very difficult to follow. So we need to teach exactly what the word of God is teaching. You know, these are some of the various differences today we see among the denominations and the reasons why we see many denominations. There is nothing wrong, but you know what? More than anything, what is important is to identify ourselves with the right teachings. Identify ourselves with the right teachings. Doctrines are not really to point out who is right and who is wrong. Doctrines are not really to tell one church is superior than the other church. Doctrines cannot be used in that fashion. So it is so important to follow the correct teachings and to be part of a church where these teachings are given rightly, correctly. You know, such doctrines need to be understood, as I said, and accepted in the light of the word of God. If somebody is coming, even maybe an angel coming from heaven and telling, teaching us something which is not in the word of God, I'm not going to believe it, and you are not going to believe it. So doctrine is very, very important in our lives. You know what, in churches today, the entire responsibility of teaching the right doctrine is upon the spiritual leadership of the church. And God is going to make the spiritual leadership accountable if they are teaching the wrong doctrine to the flocks. Number three, what is doctrinal compromise? What is doctrinal compromise? So we talked about what is doctrine, and secondly, we talked about the importance of doctrine. Thirdly, what is doctrinal compromise? You know, when we decide to be part of a church, we are expected to go through the doctrines or the fundamental beliefs or the faith statements of the church. I'm not talking about our church. I'm just talking about in general, wherever we are. We are expected to go through the fundamental doctrines and teachings of the church. You know, once we identify ourselves with the church, we are committed to the doctrine. Today, you know, people don't know about it. They want to become part of the church, but then, you know, Later on, they will realize, oh, I didn't know that. Probably I should not have come to this church. And they realize that very later. You know, the first thing I do, if I ask to, be, to go to a church, I'll just visit their website and find out what is their faith statement. What do they believe? You know, it is essential today for you and me to understand what do they teach and what do they believe. 
And once we understand, once we commit ourselves to be part of the church, we are drifting away from the doctrines what they teach. Or drifting, going away from the doctrines what we are committed is, it will result in doctrinal compromise. Once we turn away from those doctrines, we compromise the doctrine which we are committed for. You know, if we compromise the doctrine, we not only disagree with what the church teaches, we also disagree from the word of God to the word of God. So doctrinal compromise comes in our lives once we drift away from the teachings of God's word. You know, there is a philosophy out there in the world today. We are to put, put aside our theological and the doctrinal differences that bifurcate Christians in terms of denominations. They say the real issue is Christ. We are to love one another even if we don't agree theologically. You know, that's the kind of philosophy there today. We need to just forget about all the denominational, doctrinal, theological issues. You know, all Christians, we need to come around and get together. It's very much there around today. We keep hearing about it. It is very much there. You know, according to this philosophy, they say doctrine divides, but love unites. Love unites. But you know what? We need to understand this in the right context. So we are told that we need to bury our doctrinal differences and make Christ the real issue. It looks true. It looks right. But you know what? If we go further one step down and think about it, the doctrines are a set of truths we know about God and the way God is asking us to live on this earth. Now the questions are, do we really seek unity at the expense of the known truth? Did you get that? Do we really seek unity at the expense of the known truth? Are these truths not important at all? We can just throw them aside and try to be united. To what extent you deny the truth just to be united with others who don't believe in what we say? To what extent we deny the truth? And you know, just for the sake of being united, what extent do we want to do? Unity is very, very important. All churches need to be united together. All denominations need to come together. If there is only one denomination, there is nothing like that. That's what we all long for. But it is not true. Now in the midst of all this, how do we handle the expectations of Christians being together? Is it the great commission that God has given to, this, to his disciples? Forget about the truth, what I said. Just be united. You know, these are the questions obviously comes, come in our mind. Word of God says, I just want you to turn to the scripture, Romans 16, Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Here, word of God says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them and avoid them word of god doesn't always tell us to go with someone who is teaching some are practicing something contrary to what i believe word of god doesn't tell tell me to go with them word of god clearly tells me to avoid them to avoid them so if we continue to fellowship with them 
we compromise we compromise what we believe god is asking us to speak the truth in love speak the truth in love he is not asking us to compromise the truth for the sake of loving somebody he is asking us to speak the truth in love let's read ephesians chapter 4 ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 word of god says but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head christ now god wants us to speak the truth in love truth is important there because simply because Love rejoices in truth. Do you know that? Love rejoices in truth. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, most of the time we read the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we love them. But word of God also teaches us in verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. Do not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not rejoice, sorry, in iniquity. But love rejoices in in the truth love rejoices in the truth you know god is asking us not to compromise the truth but to love because love rejoices in truth you know word of god doesn't tell us to love others compromising the doctrines no not at all you know if we understood that way it is wrong word of god doesn't really tell us to love others we need to love everybody but when we have fellowship when we have when we go with him when we have you know friendship together when we grow in that love word of god doesn't expect us to compromise the truth compromise the doctrines what we know now god's word is asking us to speak the truth in love because love rejoices in truth when the moment you take the truth out of our lives a true christian love cannot rejoice there is no joy in it the joy comes because you know we all understand the truth in the same way we all believe in christ jesus in the same way you know that's where we see the fellowship and the love is building up so biblical doctrines are not that cheap at times you know you can throw them out and we can embrace them when we feel like doing so they are not that cheap god expects us to obey and to follow the biblical doctrines you know today the churches sometimes they work on projects to bring unity among other churches compromising their doctrinal values you know but word of god is telling us today if we know if we are committed to a set of doctrines god expects us to obey and to hold on to that you know today if we get into some project i you know where we try to bring unity compromising our doctrinal values values we may bring unity but you need to remember you know god cannot use us anymore to bring in changes that god wanted to bring through us today you know we may compromise our doctrinal values and bring in unity but you know what that was not the plan of god god had something else about me and about you about this church that he wanted to do something unique in the midst of the, this community that he wanted to bring that change through us but now we end up in compromising with others because we want to go we want to embrace unity how can god work through us God wanted to do something unique through every one of us and we need to be faithful we need to remain standing truthful to the word of God you know if we try to do that 
try to bring just unity eventually we may be thrown out of the will of god the original plan of god or even we may be thrown out of the plan that god has for this ministry and god wants us to remain remain faithful to the doctrines that we teach god doesn't want you know us to enter into entertain doctrinal compromises in our church or in our ministries you know the calling on our lives is unique that's the reason you know god has brought us to this place that's the reason we are together even though few of us the calling on our life is unique you know the same way calling in the church of this life is unique and god doesn't want us to compromise our doctrinal values you remember jesus when he entered into the temple he found the first thing he found there he found the doctrine was compromised the truth was compromised we read that in matthew 21 what was the truth the truth was it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer you know that was the truth that was the truth written there in the word of god my house shall be called the house of prayer and what was the compromise made there to the truth they made it a den of thief that was the compromise they made it as a den of thief and you know what jesus did what was the reaction when the truth was compromised jesus drew out all those who brought and sold in the temple of god and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves you know that was the reaction of lord jesus christ jesus cannot handle the doctrinal compromise jesus cannot handle truth being compromised you know that is the model for the spiritual leadership today a true christian church leader cannot keep quiet seeing truth being compromised a true church leader or a pastor doesn't you know sign in any peace treaty or unity unity initiatives compromising the doctrinal beliefs in you know, a today god is seeking depending on the leadership of the churches god doesn't want the leaderships to compromise to various doctrines that's going around today god wants us to stay focused in the word of god and what word of god teaches today so we talked about what is doctrine why doctrine is so important what is doctrinal compromise finally the dangers of doctrinal compromise the dangers of doctrinal compromise number 1 only truth can set us free only truth can set us free when truth is perverted it brings bondage when truth is perverted it brings bondage I want you to read with me john chapter 8 verse 32 john chapter 8 verse 32 the known scripture <clears throat> as jesus said and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free the truth shall make you free in the book of acts chapter 13 we may not have time to read that in the book of acts we read when paul was ministering in paphos he found a certain man named elimas the sorcerer and paul paul filled with the holy spirit and he looked intently this man and he said in acts chapter 13 and you know what he said to elimas just listen to this woe full of all deceit and all fraud you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness 
Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Will you not cease perverting the truth of the Lord? You know, all that Elimaz was doing there, he was just perverting the truth of God. Today, there are many Elimaz around there today in this world. They pervert the word of God. They destroy, distract, you know, they distort, they misinterpret, they, they alter, they change, they bring distraction into the word of God in the ways of God. You know, when someone compromises the doctrine, he or she perverts God's truth. He or she perverts God's truth. You know, perverting brought Elamas under the bondage of sorcery. Perverting the truth brought Elamas under the bondage of sorcery. You know, preventing, perverting the truth or compromising the doctrine today brings bondages in our lives. You know, if someone is not preaching the word of God as it is written, if somebody is preaching the perverted version of the word of God, which is not right. You know, there is bondage associated with it. If we listen to such doctrines, we will be under the bondage. We will be under the attack of the enemy. Perverting the truth brings us to the bondage of the enemy, straight under the influence of Satan. You know, those who are affected need someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit like Paul to bring deliverance in those lives. Otherwise, they will not be delivered. You know, today the doctrinal bondage is the most severe bondage than anything else. People are so deeply taken into that bondage and they struggle to come out of it. And God is today looking for you and me to go and pray for them. The secondly, the dangers of doctrinal compromise. When we compromise the doctrines of God or the ordinances of God, we open the door of disaster for enemy to enter in. When we compromise the doctrinal uh, teachings of the word of God, we open the door of disaster for the enemy to enter in. Small doctrinal compromise leading to large-scale disaster. You know, today there are many families, they are going through struggle. They never come out of it. The reason is, everything is perfect, but they believe in something which is not biblical. They believe in something which is not according, right according to the word of God. Herbert W. Ongstrom, a founder of the Worldwide Church of God, he addressed this danger of doctrinal compromise, you know, due to not only what he was witnessing, but also the kind of pressure he had in his lifetime to compromise. In the Good News magazine, December 1976, under the column, Personal from Herbert W. Armstrong, he wrote this, just listen to this. He says, 43 years ago, the living Christ committed to me his great commission. But during these 43 years, I have frequently been pressured to compromise. But during these 43 years, I have been frequently pressured to compromise just a little with God's truth. God entrusted me with this precious truth. If we begin to compromise with God's truth, even in the smallest, slightest manner, we have allowed Satan to get a foot into the door of the church. And soon he, was, he will push open the door. He is stronger than we, naturally, in natural, and take over the whole church. 
and he says i won't compromise not even just a little not even just a little and this man of god could stand for that 43 long years because of his commitment to stand for the word of god in the days of jesus the temple of god compromised the truth by not praying it is no more a prayer house there was no prayer meeting going on in the church you know what satan stepped into the church and he turned the church to be a den of thieves you know that's what exactly satan is doing today in the churches where there's no prayer church doors are open on sunday morning and they are shut by 12 o'clock and they are opened only next sunday there is absolutely no prayer meeting no fasting prayer you know the church may look like a church the church may act like a church but there is no god there is no god in those churches thirdly the danger of doctrinal compromise doctrinal compromise spreads false teaching into the church galatians 5:9 galatians 5 verse 9 a little leaven leavens the whole sum a little leaven leavens the whole sum nlt says the false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough false teaching is also like a cancer do you know that word of god says that let's read second timothy chapter 2 17 second timothy chapter 2 17 i was surprised to see that word cancer in this context second timothy chapter 2 verse 17 and their message will spread like cancer good my version new kjb says and their message the false teachings will spread like cancer within no time that takes control over the whole body it can take somebody's spiritual life and it can ruin their spiritual life to any extent that there is no cure there is no cure we are talking about the dangers the dangerous disasters of compromising god's word it is important to know what we believe it is important to stand for what we believe it is important not to compromise our beliefs and allow satan today to take control over our lives you know before we conclude the series i believe it is worth for us to have a look at what we believe today i believe it is important for us to have a look at what we believe i just want you to all of us to quickly go through what we believe you know it is very very important for us to understand it's also available our, in our website let's quickly go through it together okay i can just start reading it for you so you just follow it if you are able to read it from the screen so this is what we say what we believe we believe the creation of life on earth according to the book of genesis genesis 1 and 2 number 2 we say we believe that there is only one true god existent in three persons father son and the holy spirit these three are one god having the same nature and attributes exodus 23 
3. We believe that the scriptures are inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. 4. We believe the virgin birth and the deity of Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 1, 23, John 10, 30. We believe the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrections, Rome, resurrection. Roman 8, 34. We believe man's fallen nature of sin and the need for a savior. Roman 3, uh, 23. We believe the realization of sinful nature and a willingness to repent from the old sinful life along with confession of sins are steps of faith taken towards salvation that is obtained by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 1 John 1 7, 1 John 1 9, Romans 10 9. We believe ordinance of water baptism by immersion taken on the authority of Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28 19. We believe ordinance of Holy Communion as a symbolic remembrance of Christ's sufferings and death for our salvation. First Corinthians 11, 23 to 25. We believe baptism of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual experience promised for all those who believe with an initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. Acts 2, 4. We believe in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and nine fruit of the Spirit. God is more interested in how we live on earth means fruit of the Spirit rather than what we do for him gifts of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number 12, we believe in the need of sanctification and separation from evil as long as we live in the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-17, we believe the assembling of saints together as church that has a mission to seek the lost. Hebrews 10, 25, we believe in divine healing of sick, a result of Christ's atonement on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5, we believe in the secret second coming rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to meet the church in the the air, mid of the air, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. We believe Jesus Christ second coming to this earth, Matthew 24, 29 to 31. We believe the millennial reign of Christ in this earth for thousand years, Isaiah 11, 6 to 9. We believe the resurrection of the dead and the final judgment, John 5, 25 to 29, Revelation 20, 11 to 15, Hebrews 9, 27. We believe the eternal life in heaven and the eternal condemnation hell in hell, Romans 6. 23 Matthew 25:46 You know as we conclude this series on compromise here are some of the warnings and instructions the word of God is giving us to the churches today the number one warning or instruction God's word gives us is from Jude verse 3 from Jude verse 3 God is asking us to contend to defend our faith our faith God is asking us, the churches, to defend our faith. Let's read from Jude 3, verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it is necessary to write to you, to exhort you, to contend, fight earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. I read it from NLT. NLT says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. You know, we are living in an age 
where not many will speak out about the truth, about the doctrines, about the teachings we believe. But God is expecting us to do so. God is instructing us to do so. Number two, God is asking the churches to come out of this, come out and be separate. Not many churches teach about separation today. You know, living a separated life is a biblical teaching. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Word of God says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. God is expecting us. Because, you know, we are chosen vessels. We are identified as holy generation for a special purpose, for a priesthood and a kingship. And God is asking us to walk in the truth. Even in his prayer, when he was praying, Jesus asked, he said one thing, sanctify them. When he was praying for his disciples, in John 17, 17, he prayed, sanctify them. Means set them apart, Lord, set them apart. Them, his own people, his true people. How? By your truth. By your truth. And your word is the truth. You know, God is separating our churches today by truth. The third warning God is giving us, instruction. Finally, God is warning, us the, warning the churches not to get cheated, to compromise the doctrines. Colossians 2 verse 8. Colossians 2 verse 8. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. We don't want to get cheated by anyone not to follow the truth of God. So this morning, God is telling every one of us, it is important what we believe. God is asking us not to compromise with what we believe. Even though we believe, we may not believe everything. We may not be able to believe everything. But you know what? We believe certain things for sure. And God is telling us not to compromise, not to deviate from those things. And always seek for the more truth in the word of God. God is asking us not to compromise this truth just for the sake of loving somebody. God is asking us not to compromise this truth just to bring unity. The unity is not going to help if we compromise the truth. God is more particular about how we are standing in the midst of ungodliness. How my child is standing as a witness for my truth, for the truth. And God is asking us, not to make room for Satan by compromising the known truth. God is asking us not to bring, bring us into the bondage, you know, by following the false teachings. Instead, God is expecting us to allow the word of God, allow the truth to set us free. God is also asking us to defend our faith. I believe it is a time that we need to take a serious step for God. God is seeking for those who are committed and those who are not compromising with the things of this world. Not accepting anything, but they accept things in the light of the word of God. You know, God is seeking for such individuals so that they may be used by God. Shall we close our eyes this morning?